Welcome to episode 192 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss the Brisbane COVID outbreak, the Australian Prime Minister, injuries, Jason Tamalolo wanting to play Origin, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 192 of the Rugby League Republic podcast. We aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, have you had a good week this week? Uh, Dr. T, I have and I had an unbelievable week and I think that's been topped off by some absolutely unbelievable footy. Um, probably some of the be- I think I think we saw some of the best games ever, um, you know, in 2021 at least anyway. But I think even if you took the post-COVID era, um, I think we saw some of the best games ever. But look, I- I've had a good week. How about yourself there, Dr. T? How have you found the footy so far? Look, uh, Tish, rugby league is the winner this week. Well, I mean, it's it's not just the footy. It's look, it's I would I think it's fair to say it's been one of the most uh, active weeks on and off the field of for mm. rugby league in terms of news and 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 controversies and all sorts of things going on uh, in quite some time. Uh, definitely this so far this year, I'd have to say. Uh, there's a lot happening, and it's not all. Thankfully, it's not all uh, about you know off-field discrepancies and 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 things like that. It is about you know the game. A lot of it is about the game itself, um, and uh, you know it's good to have that balance <laughs> back in the in the news cycle. Um, but yeah, there's so much happening. It's but it's, uh, it's I'm pretty pumped. Obviously, the the eels. Uh, equal top of the table at the moment. Uh, you know, we, we'll talk a little bit about the game that they had against Cronulla later on. But um, uh, yeah, look, uh, big one, and I'm sure we're going to have a massive podcast episode this week. So, shall we just dive right into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Right here we go. Here we go with the six tackles and tackle number one. The news update. Quite a few big items on our news update this week. Uh, the first one, uh, Tish, is about well. I mean, let's let's go with the the the, the first one, and then we'll go with the biggest one. <laughs> so the first one we're going to talk about is about the con- the concussions and injuries. So obviously, the NRL has decided to take um, action, uh, or actually, the ARL Commission has decided to take action to uh, to change. Uh, well, to change the rules slightly to uh, approve uh, what's known as an 18th man, so an 18th player as a mm. on the reserves bench. So usually we have 17, four on the reserves, 13 on the field, but an 18th player who will be eligible to run on the field in very strict conditions. So, uh, Tish, the conditions are, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the conditions are that it it will only come into play if players if the teams have uh three uh hia uh what shall we call it hias they call it um uh so three assessments of players that have uh had a head in, head injury or, or some sort of a mild concussion and are needing to be taken off for medical reasons um and only then will uh, will that team be allowed to draw on that 18th player. So so it's a way to kind of not disadvantage teams that have, for whatever reason, uh, had uh, you know multiple players concussed in the same game. I think it's uh, it's an interesting one, uh, Tish. I don't know if I've covered everything. I think that's really the gist of it. Um, what do you think about that ruling uh, that will allow teams to draw on this 18th player? It is obviously in very strict circumstances because there's been a lot of debate in the media around 
you know, the fact that if as soon as you allow this uh, this kind of drawing on an 18th player without uh, some strict conditions placed on it, you're going to get you're going to get clubs, you're going to get teams, you're going to get coaches that uh, that that you know uh, wrought the system, so to speak, and uh, in, will encourage players to kind of go down uh, and 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 fake a bit of an injury so that they can get. Um, the 18th man on and this kind of rule in this condition will stop that uh, will ensure that it's only really when necessary when uh, teams will uh, you know get to that third HIA ruling um, the interesting thing statistically that I heard Tish from uh, I think it was uh, I don't know what I think it's on Foxtel one of those uh, is it the back page or one of those ones or 360 um where basically out of, uh, you know, since this HIA has been implemented in uh, the NRL, only on one occasion has a team had um, uh, three HIAs in the one game. So really it's a very rare event that uh, will will trigger this uh, 18th, the ability for a team to go for the 18th man. But what do you think about this uh, ruling? Do you think it's a good idea? Look, I think it's a step in the right direction, I can say that. Uh, I've also heard, and I haven't confirmed, uh, look, so this rule will take into place next week. So round round four, um, you know, it's still the old rule, and then round five will take effect. Um, what I did hear is that, that 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 18th player that comes on has to be somebody that is part of your emerging player. So it has to carry an emerging... Yeah, so in other words, it's not from your 28 of your designated players. It's It's got to be from your sort of your junior grade sides and stuff like that. So um, so you can't yeah. sort of throw in a Benji Marshall there. <laughs> yeah, you can't throw it. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, yeah, so you can't throw that in. And, and even like since, uh, you know, the, the Roosters got the exemption, they can't um, uh, they, they can't throw in their young superstar in there that's playing for the North Sydney Bears, right? Because he's not an emerging player anymore. He's part of the 28. Ah, um, oh, right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, um, so I think they are trying to sort of limit the rot. Um, and and really, to be honest, um, the NRL is a bit late on this because I think there were two teams over the weekend, the Sharks and the Raiders, who had no interchanges left in terms of – they had interchanges up their sleeve, but they didn't have any players to put on because they had uh, more than four players ruled out. Um, I think both in both cases, two of them were HIAs and two of them were were like injuries that, you know, like broken hand or broken leg that they, you know, the players physically couldn't come back onto the field. So um, the NRL is actually acting, I think, like a bit late on this because the reality is the game has gotten faster, it's gotten more brutal, the bodies are bigger, and really there has to be some sort of mechanism to play, to protect players um this was like something that the um rlpa had um had sort of uh you know petitioned to the nrl after those two matches and as a result there was an emergency emergency me- meeting uh, this week to try and enact this rule so i think the nrl is actually acting a bit late on it um Will there be rorts? There probably will be. There is always going to be. But I think the way the the concussion rules are and the fact that you get no interchanges at the moment, I actually believe that play safety is a big issue with HIAs because I believe that clubs are actually under-reporting the, their HIAs. There are probably players that are probably concussed, but because they need that extra player on the field, at the moment they're not being ranked as a HIA, play, uh, as a HIA player. So, um, And I think you'll see that when this rule comes into effect, the 18th man is going to be used pretty much immediately. <laughs> um, that's what's happened in other sports when they've tried to introduce this rule. Yeah. And I think it's going to happen again uh, because I think I think there will be some rotting, but I think on top of that, there's probably going to be some HIA cases that in the past, um, you know, the doctor's been forced to let go, um, but now um, they're going to actually take Exploited, the safety of the yeah. yeah, yeah. So... We'll see how this one plays out, but I think I think ultimately this is the way it had to have hit. Like it was like an inevitable um, situation, really. I think um, so. Yeah. So look, I think uh, yeah, it's great that they've actually got this, and let's see how it goes. Well, yeah, it's an interesting prediction. Let's see, definitely, if we're starting to see the numbers pick up. We've only, according to, I think it's James Hooper, a Sydney journalist, 
uh, only one occasion <laughs> where a team has had three HIAs where they, you know, let's see. Let's see if we start seeing uh, an increase in reporting. Uh, you know, potentially that's a good side effect of uh, of this kind of a ruling. Um, one Just before we move on, one of the other kind of issues that this touches on is the broader issue of um, injuries, not just concussions, but general injuries. We've seen quite a few major, major injuries. Luke Keery out for the season with a knee injury is one of them. There are quite a few others um, as well. And this means that, um, you know, that unfortunately, uh, you know, if you just get those kinds of injuries, you're not going to be able to access this rule. But moving on from the rule situation, I guess one thing, uh, like I said, Luke Keery out for the season, big piece of news. Um, Tish, very quickly, what are your thoughts on whether, um, you know, the, the speed of the game has contributed to the increase in the number of injuries, especially in round three? There's a, there's a school of thought that says that, uh, you know, given that the teams have only really had one uh, one trial game prior to the start of the season, that, that the players are not really match fit. I mean, we saw this last year when they had the COVID break and then came back from the break. There were quite a few injuries in those first few weeks because of, uh, you know, quite, quite frankly, they couldn't play in any games and they weren't match fit. Uh, there's a school of thought that says that, look, round three, they've only really had one trial match. Um, prior to this and it's prior to the season commencing and really it takes like three four matches before you really get get hit your groove and get match fit and and that compounded with the speed of the game I think potentially could be uh, a reason why why we're getting uh, an increase in injuries so um, so yeah what do you think about that yeah well look I think um, I mean I, we really can't look at the. Uh, well, I'm not a doctor, so I, I, don't, I don't. I can't tell you how the mechanics of all this is going to work. But what I do know is that I believe the game definitely looks faster on television, and it does seem. Uh, it seems like the hits are still as brutal. Um, I think they've said that the time the ball is in play the same average time as what it was last year, um, and I think obviously there has been. Uh, because people found loopholes around the rules, right? <laughs> to to actually uh, to actually make that happen. So so yes. Yeah, so so I think the the time in play is not really. I don't think that really affects it. But I think just the number of play the balls. I, I think you'll find that there's actually a lot more play the balls than what there was last year. Um, obviously, um, you know when you're trying to sprint and then you're sort of changing movement. You know it does it does uh, re- you know there's there's some. Uh, pressure that gets applied to all your joints when you're, you know, constantly moving from here and there. Plus, you're getting hit uh, from left, right, and center. And then, um, you know, even the Luke Carey sort of injury it was kind of, uh, it's kind of weird when you looked at it because it wasn't really. Uh, I don't think the a player touched him. I think he kind of it was like on the way down, and you know, it wasn't. I, I think it was just something happened. So I don't know if it was. But you could just say like, you know, people trying to run at pace and then change direction. Um, you know, I think is kind of, you know, because the game sped up, it's probably putting more pressure on the bodies themselves, which is what is causing these bodies to fail. Um, however, that other argument that you've pointed out is correct. If there was a longer off season, because obviously there was a shorter off season due to the fact that we finished the season late last year, um, that has, you know, uh, made the whole preparation time for this year's season uh, a lot shorter. So I think, you know, in the end, we go back to the fact that, well, to be honest, at the moment, uh, you know, we play 25 rounds and, you know, not you don't play each team once you play each team. Well, you play half, half the teams you play twice and the other half you play once. Not really a fair competition. So I, th- I think this goes back down to the debate of actually having each team play each other at least once and, and that's it. Like, I, I think the fact that they're playing, uh, they're probably playing too many games because the season is too long. So, so yeah, there's, there's a whole there's a whole raft of issues. It's kind of a can of worms. But, yeah, I think ultimately, yeah, let, let's just say I think it's a contributing factor. I think that's all you can say. The, I suppose if the data really isn't out, we'll, we'll find out in uh, round six when there's no players left. To play, right? <laughs> that's right. When we've when we've used up all of the eighteenth men everywhere. Yeah, uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. 
All right. Look, the next big item, and I guess this is the biggest piece of news because it's it's still breaking news at the moment, is mm. the uh, the the Brisbane COVID outbreak. Uh, Brisbane, yeah. Australia. We've had a well COVID outbreak in, in Australian numbers is quite low. It's it's still I think in the in the single digits. I think last I saw it was eight people or so, but it's starting to affect multiple hospitals and venues and all sorts of things. And and the NRL has basically taken action quickly uh, to do something about this in, in anticipation of what's going to happen and the effect on, on the competition. So, Tish, uh, do you want to explain to us what's happening? What's the NRL done? Okay, okay. So, look, um, this is an ongoing um, sort of situation, but look, essentially, um, the Gold Coast Titans, uh, they were supposed to have a home game against Canberra this weekend. Um, but they have actually um, been advised by the NRL to relocate to Sydney um, and, you know, potentially that game will be moved to Canberra, uh, GIO Stadium. So uh, somehow during the end of the season, you know, if they get back to the Gold Coast, they'll get that home game back somewhere. And the other one that happened was at the Brisbane Broncos. They played a game in Sydney, but then um, on their way back because of the situation, they had to come back to Sydney and actually have been training at a Leichhardt at the moment. And um, they're waiting on a travel uh, exemption by the Victorian government to enable them to get to Amy Park to play against Melbourne for the Good Friday Clash. Um, so that still hasn't actually been finalised. So if they don't get the exemption in time, there is, um, I believe, uh, you know, the NRL is making plans for the, the Melbourne Storm to come to Sydney and to play at Stadium Australia against the Broncos. So it is uh, it is an ongoing situation. But look, it's, you know, just like um, any sort of outbreak, it's, it's caused some massive changes from the NRL's point of view. And, uh, and this is... You know, this is one of it. Um, and then I think in the next coming days, we'll find out, what, you know, how bad of a situation it is in Queensland and what will what will happen to the next few rounds. Um, the interesting thing that I think is going to be interesting is that round 10, every club is supposed to play in Brisbane. So um, I wonder, sorry, what the contingency plan for that would be. So, um, yeah, I think we'll just keep following it as it goes. Do you have any thoughts on that, Dr. T? Yeah, look, um, so you're talking about the, is it called the magic round? Or is that what we're calling it? Yeah, the magic here round. As well? yeah. yeah. So our version of the magic round, unfortunately, is going to be affected by COVID very, very likely. So uh, I think it's fair to say that for those of you who unfortunately have booked your flights and accommodation to, to Brisbane, uh it's unlikely that it will go ahead as planned. So, the, you know, expect that there to be changes, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, look, uh, the NRL, once again, showing that it is on top of things and needing to do whatever needs to be done so that the game can continue, uh, you know. And, and, look, it's not affecting the entire country. It's just affecting really one city or one region and so there's every reason to believe that none of the players are affected. Obviously, an exemption, I don't know what they would entail, but I guess it would be uh, some sort of conditional agreement that um, that the players, uh, you know, stay in a bubble of some sort, uh, don't interact, don't go out or whatever uh, to local venues, but um, just stay together somehow. And, uh, you know, go to the game, play the game and get out, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but also maybe uh, get regularly tested, uh, which I don't, I don't know if they do at the moment. They probably do, but uh, it'll probably be increased uh, for that team, uh, you know, in the, in the off chance that they've interacted with someone who has interacted with someone who's got COVID. So you just never know. Um, but, yeah, NRL, good on you for uh, taking the front foot on that. Um, let's move on to the other big news item that has taken the rugby league world by storm. And this one is about my team, the Parramatta Eels. So somehow the Eels are embroiled in this. <laughs> and, and it was all because of the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, or ScoMo as we call him, who uh, decided in at the end of the Eels and Cronulla game, uh, being the number one Cronulla supporter, officially, number, <laughs> Cronulla's number one fan, he decided to go to the Eels dressing room after the Eels had flogged Cronulla in the game on the weekend and celebrate with the boys, have a beer and all that kind of stuff uh, in, in the dressing room, as you would always expect. And, and we've seen before with, uh, 
you know, some previous prime ministers, including the likes of Bob Hawke, of course, you know, going way back there. Um, unfortunately, not everyone was very welcoming of uh, ScoMo in the Eels locker room. Um, and basically what happened was the Parramatta um, social media team, I guess, uh, tweeted uh, a photo of uh, Scott Morrison in the dressing room. And in the back of that photo, there was uh, someone named Talia Eggers who uh, um, I'm not sure what her position is. I think she's uh, she's in the um, – uh, I guess she's in the – uh, the the sports uh, sports team. I think she's part of the the sports rehabilitation team. I think within uh, the Eels lineup. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, look, needless to say, she uh, she had this kind of um, uh, not impressed look on her face, <laughs> um, and she decided to sort of retweet what the Parramatta social media team tweeted uh they tweeted something uh you know a bit cringeworthy something like um you know he's ours now or something like that which is obviously a dig at the fact that he is uh the scott morrison is the number one cronulla you know ticket holder or fan officially that kind of thing uh so it was their way of saying you know he's he's your number one fan but he's celebrating with us in the dressing room and uh and she kind of retweeted that photo because uh, she was not impressed. And I think some people noticed that, and 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 she basically went on to tweet that, look, this is my personal opinion, but I'm not happy that um, I wasn't impressed that, that that the prime minister had time to come here and uh, and hang out and uh, with with the team, but uh, didn't have time to meet with uh, some of the women who are calling for. Uh, justice in terms of domestic violence and uh, etc cetera, etc cetera, that uh, there was a march for justice I think the week before he didn't attend that so you know it got political really quickly <laughs> which uh, you know which is pretty funny that the eels it somehow always involves the eels doesn't it <laughs> when it comes <laughs> yeah, to politics yeah. and uh, and yeah so basically uh, she the the story goes that she uh, then took the tweet down, deleted it herself. There were suggestions and, and concerns that she was forced to delete the tweet and take it down uh, by the club, which um, some people are seeing as a you know a bit of a hypocritical position that you want to you want to sort of uh, not you, you want to support um, uh, you know what what Taylor, what Talia uh, kind of stands for, but but you're also not letting her voice her opinion. However, having said that, we also live in a little bit of a cancel culture at the moment. So sometimes some people can provide their opinion and not others. So um, without some sort of a consequence to their employment. So this was the concern. And the story goes that uh, she was saying that, she, no, she didn't, uh, she wasn't forced to take anything down. Uh, it was her opinion. She just decided, I think, to avoid some of the backlash that, that some people might have been uh, providing. However, I think it's fair to say, if you're talking about reading the room here, um, I think almost any article that you'll see about this particular news item, you'll see a majority of people supporting her and not the Prime Minister's position. So what that tells you about the state of politics at the moment, I don't know. But um, it was, you know, very funny that it was uh, the eels involved in this, uh, considering the the political uh, misfortunes that they have had over the years, uh, inability to get their house in order uh, in terms of their administration. And and so, yeah, very funny indeed in that respect. But, um, yeah, it looks like not many people were impressed that the Prime Minister was down there when, uh, you know, there's quite a few other issues going on uh, that, that he should be spending his time. Um, you know, equally there's the opposite view, which is uh, he's, he's on a break, he's having, you know, isn't he allowed to have downtime and, and all that kind of thing. So there's arguments on both sides. Tish, uh, what are your views? Do you have any views about whether, you know, to me the most important thing, well, not, not really the most important thing, but I'm being facetious, but I think the important, one important thing would be how does Cronulla feel <laughs> that their number one ticket holder <laughs> went went to the uh, their opponent's dressing room to celebrate their win? And, uh, you know, um, flip-flop ScoMo has, uh, has ditched them in their hour mm. of need. <laughs> what do you think about yeah. that, Tish? Yeah, well, a man who named, um, 
you know, our version of Air Force One, Shark One, um, <laughs> you know, if he could do this to Cronulla, what wow. can he do to the Australian people? Well, oh, let's that not go there. Let's not go there. the line <laughs> that uh, Albo probably needs to uh, needs to go with in Parliament, right? So, right. but look. But look, I look, yeah, look, I think very, very poor. I look, to be honest with you, yeah, I, I think as an NRL man, I uh, I am of the belief, you know, if you have a team, you you stand by your team, you know, um, you know, which I've done for the West Tigers for, for ever since I've been going. So the fact that he's, I think that's kind of more, as, a, as an NRL purist, I think that's more uh, despicable, um, you know, and, <laughs> and look, yeah, and look, uh, you know, everybody's got a right to an opinion. Um, so I don't think um, whether you're for and against what you believe and everything like that. Um, now, you don't have to express your opinion if you don't want to. And I think, um, you know, but it, yeah, obviously with so- social media, everybody feels like they need to. So, um, you know, but that's fine. That should be her prerogative. And uh, But, but yeah, look, uh, let, let, I think... Um, you know what I actually think is that uh, if if Chris Hemsworth did not celebrate with the Rabbitohs the night before, would you see Scobie in the Parramatta dressing room? Like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because like, it was a star-studded lineup at um, at the Rabbitohs game, wasn't it? With in in rusty Russell Crowe's um, uh, you know box there. Yeah, the yeah. stars. Was it the stars of the all, almost all the stars of the latest Thor film? Yeah, that's uh, right. That's right. So Portman, Thor Jeff met Goldberg. Benji Marshall. Well, the, yeah, that's right. There you go. Like one god meets another god. That's <laughs> that's right. That's uh, that's right. That's right. Well done. So yeah, and they he did a flick pass, like you know. But but look, I think um, yeah. So yeah. So there was. I mean, there was quite a few celebrities. I mean, um, obviously uh, Natalie Portman was was there. Tyler Wakiti, and you know, that, yeah. I think it was really good publicity. I don't know if it actually got any traction in the US, but um. You know, that's a kind of that's that's what we want to associate with. So, look, twenty four hours later, Scomo's <laughs> going for the photo op. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> because he's seen a lot of lots of Cronulla matches, and I'm sure he hasn't seen them win all the time as well. So, I haven't heard of him attending an opposite dressing room. So, um, <laughs> there you go. Well, so, yes, let's see what happens next weekend. I, I think we could just say it was a regrettable night for all. <laughs> and rugby league was not the winner that day. And rugby league was not the winner. Fair enough. So, yeah. So, so, so there you go. So, right. uh, yeah. Let's thought, move on, shall we? For, was it uh, love and thunder? I think it was love on Friday night, and definitely a lot of thunder on Saturday. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to tackle number two, the last round review. Here we go. All right, so very quick fire wrap up of the scores in round three. The Panthers winning 12 10 against the Melbourne Storm. That puts the Storm at two losses out of the first three games, which is uh, probably, I think, unheard of. <laughs> you know, um, mm. the Dragons flogging Manly 38 12. The Rabbitohs, uh, look, it was a 10 point win 26 16 against the Roosters, but really they did it very easily. Um, uh, Canberra and New Zealand Warriors uh, led to uh, it was a tight one, 34-31 in favour of the Warriors the Broncos, 24 completely shut out the Bulldogs 0 the Eels, 28-4 against the Sharks the Tigers, your Tigers, 24-20 against the Knights. I believe you didn't even pick the Tigers this weekend, Tish. <laughs> Unbelievable. I picked them. I knew yeah, I, I, I knew they had it in them to do something. <laughs> okay. To, to, to rain on Mitchell Pierce's 300-game parade. <laughs> and they right. did so. So there you go. And uh, look, Titans, 44, flogging the Cowboys, 8. So some question marks there. Look, you know, even if you just ignore what hap- what's happening off the field, on the field there were so many great mm. matches. I totally agree. And, and you know, I think the fans responded because we had, I'm um, just counting, one, two, three, four matches which were around 20,000 fans or just above or just below. Yep. 
and another another two that were around the fourteen thousand mark. So yeah, and by the way, that is uh, you got to remember that there's only seventy five percent capacity. That's right. Uh, yep. Allowed. So yep. Uh, so yeah. well done to the fans. I mean, they definitely turned up. It was a beautiful weekend uh, in most places, and so they really turned up. But look. Very very quickly, Tish, what is your highlight out of all those? If you were to pick one game or mm. one moment that really summed up or you know really stood out for you this weekend, uh, which moment or game would that be? Well, look, there were three games that were thrillers right until the end. Obviously, Penrith and Melbourne, um, Newcastle and the Tigers, and, and I think Canberra and the Warriors. Um, but look, I have to go with my team, the Tigers, for the moment of the week. Obviously... Um, you know that they, they they, I don't know if it's a combination of the Tigers playing better than what they've had the last few weeks, and the Knights not playing as well as what they have in the last few weeks. Um, but uh, what I did like is during during the coverage there was, uh, you know, the Tigers were sort of on top the whole game, and then then you know midway through the second half, the uh, you know the the Newcastle fight back and they and they fight back with the try to Mitchell Pearce. And uh, they go over to, you know, his parents, Wayne Pearce and his wife. And you've got to remember Wayne Pearce, he is a, uh, you know, he's a Tigers legend. And he's got a big smile on his face. You know, his son has scored on his 300th game. And you could see how happy and excited he is. Uh, but then later, <laughs> right, <laughs> when the Tigers hit back, they go back to Wayne Pearce and it is the exact same shot. <laughs> Big smile. He's happy either way. <laughs> He's happy either way. And I thought that's that, that that to me was like the moment. Like I know the kick out moment was pretty awesome, but like just to see a rugby league legend with a torn heart, but going away excited and you know, how do you console your son after a, a loss like that when you're so happy? <laughs> I don't know. But he yeah, the there you go, the torment of the of the rugby league dad, you know. Well, well, I mean, I think, you know, we talk about rugby league as a winner on the day, but really on that day, Wayne Pierce was the winner because <laughs> he not only got to see his son kind of be instrumental in getting his team, uh, you know, close to a win. In fact, he got them to the lead, I believe, at one point or close yeah. to it and had and was instrumental in doing so. And then... And then to see his actual team that he's been, you know, he's a one-team uh, player, uh, actually end up winning the whole game. Uh, I think, yeah, it's a, look, Wayne Pierce was the winner on the day, I think. So I think it's fair to say. But that was a great, look, I agree, that was a, a pretty memorable kind of uh, passage of play. I think there was one point where you kind of thought, oh, the Tigers have blown it. But then somehow they managed to regroup. So I was pretty impressed that they managed to do that. Um, look, for me, I'd have to say, you know, yes, it's obvious. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the Eels, and obviously the the uh, the Blake Ferguson backflip uh, is something that that we can't forget. It was a good one, but look, to me, I was so impressed with Souths against the Roosters. I think, wow, you know, I did not expect uh, from what we saw in the first couple of matches. I thought that the Roosters were, were going to sort of walk this one in. Um, and uh, I think the Rabbitohs were, I think it's fair to say that the, the manner in which they disposed of a genuine premiership threat, the Roosters, uh, initially, they just sort of blew them away. They were in scintillating form. Mitchell, Latrell Mitchell and, uh, and Cody Walker, that combination is really starting to catch fire at the moment. And, they just showed, look, I, I'm, I think it's fair to say that they've been the most impressive team. I think that was the most impressive performance of the year so far. And that puts them squarely into premiership contention, I think. Uh, you know, they, they'd be up there with the Panthers and the Storm for sure, and possibly not so much the Storm anymore, but mm. definitely with the Panthers as the teams to beat. And uh, I look forward to seeing what they do because... Uh, yeah, the when when Latrell Mitchell is on fire, the uh, you know not just Wayne Pierce is the winner, but rugby league is the winner because yeah. uh, it is really great to watch. And against a team, a quality team like the Roosters with that crowd behind them, I it was I was a bit shocked that <laughs> the ease at which that they controlled the game. And uh, you know Wayne Bennett, master coach, he is uh, getting them fired up, and he is preparing them for. A, a genuine chance at the premiership this year. So that to me was super impressive, but um, look, let's, 
let's roll on, shall we, to uh, the next tackle. So here we go, tackle number three, uh, Spotlight. All right, so the spotlight today is on uh, Tamalolo, who uh, Jason Tamalolo is uh, wanting to play State of Origin. And there's been a bit of a debate here around, uh, you know, whether whether the, the State of Origin eligibility rules should be changed to allow Jason Tamalolo to pull on a Maroons jersey um, given the fact that he is a Tongan uh, representative. Um, you know, obviously he's been living in Queensland for most of his adult life, so technically he could be eligible. Uh, you know, obviously the, the state of origin eligibility rules don't always align properly with the international eligibility rules. And an interesting stat that I saw the other day as well, uh, something that means that we have to contend with this issue going forward, very much so we have to kind of come to a landing on it, is the fact that we've got lots of um, Polynesians in in the comp and, in fact, um, or or Polynesian or Melanesian background players. And I believe the stat currently is at uh, 50% of players in the game have a a South Pacific Islander background of some sort and uh, and possibly a, a, a high proportion of those are eligible to represent their respective uh, South Pacific nation countries uh, outside of Australia. So that and, and the fact that we've got multiracial uh, kind of people as well, and and people who are born here from other backgrounds, more and more we're going to see this issue coming up. Um, and the other, obviously, the other stat is that um, you know this has all happened in a short space of time. Like it was only twenty years ago or so where the percentage of Polynesians in the NRL was, uh, you know, closer to, I think, 1% or 2%. So in that space of time, in two, maybe two and a half decades, we've seen a massive shift in the number of people in the NRL, number of players or percentage of players who have multiple backgrounds. And so eligibility is going to is gonna keep coming up until we resolve it. And so I guess, uh, Tish, the question is, back to the Tamalolo thing, um, you know, should he be allowed to play for Queensland? And what impact is it going to have uh, once you open this door? Yeah, well, look, I don't know if Tamalolo himself has uh, had it, but um, it is actually uh, IRL Chairman Troy Grant. Um, has uh, you know has sort of welcomed proposed changes to state of origin eligibility, um, and then uh, I think the two players that they're talking about is Tamalolo and also Kalen Bonga, um, because Kalen Bonga at the moment chose to play uh, for Queensland, uh, so therefore he cannot represent New Zealand, and then so there's a train of thought thinking well. If Tamalolo can still play for Tonga, but then where you know yeah. play for the Maroons, then maybe Kalen Ponga can then represent New Zealand. Um, so, and I think I've actually got so um, I think it was uh, when State of Origin first started, there was only one percent of players um, that were born outside of Australia. I think it was something like that, and now it's seventy-one percent of of NRL players are either born outside of Australia or have parents or grandparents that are born outside of Australia. And um, that includes around about, I think it was uh, about, yeah, you said about 50%. I think the statistic that they show on the NRL website is about 52% wow. from Pacific Nations um, situations. Look, I think it comes down to this. Look, the state of origin itself is built on this rivalry between New South Wales and Queensland. And... Um, the, the rivalry exists is because you see yourself either as a Queenslander or a New South Welshman, right? So, like, that's that's what the player who plays for it has to identify themselves as, like, hey, I'm a New South Wales sort of born and bred player. Well, that's the thing. Uh, do they have to be born there to have no, that mate, passion? No, about the first, first adult um the, game. the first adult game there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think what it is is that um, so uh, I think under 12s is uh, still mod rules and then under 13s is where you play uh, 
sort of NRL rules or the international rules or whatever it's called. So I think it's at that age is, is where it gets determined. Um, yeah, so 13 is kind of a fair whack. It's not like you're born and you're 13, right? You've got like a – it's bar mitzvah age, right? So, uh, <laughs> um, you know, so where'd you have your bar mitzvah? That's how it works, uh, you know, like so uh, Jerry Seinfeld would have to play for New York, right? You know, that's, uh, that's how it works. So, um, so yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, so, so I think it's – look, I think – I quite like the way it is now, I'll be honest with you. I I don't know if we're going to have – because I don't want the State of Origin to turn into a an All-Stars type scenario. Exactly. Not an, not, yeah. not an NRL All-Stars. Well, maybe not. But like the NFL All-Stars, it kind of means nothing. If um, – you know, if, if it – if you choose, I think you've got to pledge allegiance to Australia to play it for State of Origin, because at the end of the day, that's the tradition of what this game was about. Um, you know, I think city and country kind of fell into this problem as well. Like, it, you know, it became outdated because you know that that concept of city and country didn't even exist anymore. And I think what you had is that you had players that um, sort of grew up in the country, but you know, it's kind of Camden, which is now part of of Sydney anyway. Um, so, you know, Penrith used to be considered country. So like that kind of, so now with New South Wales, if we're going to do the same thing, we're going to go down the same lines where in 20 years, state of origin will mean nothing. And as a result, the game has lost its crown jewel, uh, or, you know, moneymaker. Um, yeah. so, so that's, that's my overall opinion. And yeah, Tamalolo, look, uh, to be honest, um, he renewed strength in in international football by choosing to you know give up his New Zealand jersey to play for Tonga. So, and I think that meant a lot more the fact that you're giving up something to get something. Now, when you give it up and then you get both, I don't you know it doesn't have that same it doesn't have that same passion anymore. You know, it just means that NRL players can do whatever they like and. We know how that sort of all goes. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, look, you raised some good points there, and obviously this is going to be debated uh, in future as well. But, yeah, I think you raised the, the, the key points there, which it really is all about trying to – look, whatever we do, we have to be careful that we've got to balance, you know, the rights of players and the reality of multiracial and kind of unique and different kind of backgrounds and – it's not as simple anymore and clear cut in terms of where people are from and who they're representing. So this issue will keep coming up until we have, you know, forevermore because this is the way the society is kind of changing. Um, but we've got to we've got to sort of balance that with, you know, what is state of origin really about at its core, and what whatever we decide to do, what impact is that going to have on it? Um, are we destroying our one of our strengths? Um, in terms of popular popular product and and what it actually means, you know, it's in the past we used to say it's the best of the best because Australia was dominant on the world stage. So by 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 inference, if you get the best Queenslanders and the best New South Welshmen together and play against each other, and the best of the best end up becoming the Kangaroos team at the end of the year that is going to be really like an all-stars game. They will be the best players in the world because the, the Australian team was so dominant. But that's not the case anymore. And so really it's the question of if you want to introduce other players who may be eligible, but really they, they're more you know more suited to representing, I guess, their, their home nation, um, really it's about getting people to understand, you know, it isn't an all-stars game. It is about New South Wales and Queensland. If you don't identify with either and you just happen to have lived in, in one of those states and, and had your first game of uh, adult football there because you were rec- recruited from a South Pacific nation but for some reason because of your talent, that doesn't automatically make you a Queenslander or a New South Welshman. It just means that you're, um, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, you, you're, you're being transplanted there. But really... It's all about where where do you see yourself re- representing? What's in what's in mm. your heart, really? And so that's really what it will boil down to in future. So, yeah, look, we'll continue to debate this, but I think this is an interesting one, and uh, we'll see what happens and and whether there is going to be a greater push from from some of the players who have a South Pacific backgrounds to uh, to to want to play in the state of origin uh, contest and what that means. So. Um, all right, let's move on now to 
tackle number four. Here we go. Tackle number four is a, a debate, a very quick debate, really, but it is about uh, the NRL, uh, who hopes to trial forward pass technology this season uh, for, I guess, one of the first times ever. They've actually admitted after the, the Warriors and Canberra game that the Warriors benefited from a forward pass in the final try, which ended up beating Canberra. Uh, Ricky Stewart was really noticeably upset, so much so that he, having been fined so many times before for unleashing his opinion, uh, had an amazing press conference where he basically gave a bit of a monologue that said, look, I've done my duty. I've come here to to show my face here, but I'm afraid that if I'm going to say anything, then uh, I might say something that will, uh, you know, cost us in terms of uh, being fined by the NRL and I don't want to put myself in that position so I'm going and I'm not answering any questions and he literally stood up and left it was an amazing piece of video uh, if you haven't seen it have a look because it was uh, you know in a quieter news week Tish this would have been a massive news uh, massive bit of news because uh, you know it just sort of shows that the you know in a, in a roundabout way he was criticizing the referees but he didn't want to actually get caught out in it. So he decided to say, you know, basically uh, my mama told me never to, uh, if I haven't got something nice to say, don't say anything at all. So therefore that's why I'm leaving. But Luke, this leads to the question uh, about really the the forward pass technology. The NRO is is trying to trial this or will trial it soon. Um, I guess the question is, Tish, should the NRO trial forward pass technology or is that one of those areas of the game that we'll, we'll just leave it to the judgment of uh of the people out there on the ground well look it is it is tricky because it is like what is a forward pass <laughs> right <laughs> I, I, you know like because you know there's there's angles on television that will show the ball going forward on one way and the ball going forward in another way so um, I don't know how clear and cut the rules are about it as well. Like, I think they just said you can't promote the ball forward um, or something like that. It's, a, um, it's about it being propelled forward. So if you actually throw yeah. it forward, um, you know, that that's really the issue. But because you – well, is it? Because I guess it's – you see situations where people are running on the fly. And we've talked about this before and the physics of it. But, you know, if you're running in motion and two players are running in parallel and one player passes it – it seems to travel forward when you look at the point at which it was passed on the field and the point at which it was caught, but it was actually propelled backward. But it just so happened because that player was running forward that the ball travels forward. So this is a typical kind of, you'll see experiments on this online, you know, a player, a person at the back of a ute that's traveling at 50 kilometers an hour throws a ball up in the air directly above them, but it actually travels backwards, even, you know, all that kind of thing. So, you know, there's all sorts of ways that we can get physics to explain this, but um, yeah. So over to you again. Yeah. So look, I think that's the, uh, yeah. So yeah. So look, let's, I mean, let's trial it. I'm all, I'm all good for experiments and everything like that, but I I really don't think, um, I think we're at this point where where I think, Something like a forward pass for a try. It's happened in so many games. It's happened in this occasion. Unfortunately, the victims were the Canberra Raiders. But I'm sure there's plenty of other games that they were the beneficiary of the same thing sort of happening to them. Um, so I think we're okay for just letting it be for the moment as well. And, um, you know, just, you know, I, I, like, so look, I think I think in the end, yeah, let's try it. Let's see how it works. And, um I'm not going to be uh, too disappointed if it doesn't work because I, I feel like it's going to bring more controversy than than actual uh, than actual good things um, in the end because like yeah the the technology as we said the more intro- technology we introduce sometimes the technology fails as well because um, at the end of the day there's got to be a human that interprets it right so and and that's never going to change so you're always going to have a human error. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, I think that, that some of the tech is getting so advanced that I can see a future where, you know, once we know how we can define uh, very clearly what a forward pass is and, you know, it's about propulsion from the, the sender, doesn't matter where the receiver gets it, that kind of thing. Once you actually know what are your criteria, you could probably put that into code, into a an AI kind of thing uh, that can assess all of the camera angles and and on the fly, potentially even in real time, sort of go, that's a forward pass. So eventually, eventually, I don't know if we want to do this, but eventually you could actually have it as a live ongoing kind of thing during a game that catches every single forward pass, not just ones in relation to, um, you know, tries that have been scored where there have been close-ups and shots and whatever. Um, so I reckon this is where AI technology could come into play. Uh, we're probably like five years away from something that's viable, but I this is my prediction. In the next five years, we'll get uh, the technology will get so good that uh, it can be almost a real-time decision uh, that that can reduce human error. Because I agree, human error is part of the problem here, and people have different opinions. So if once it's sort of codified into a set of rules. Uh, and a, def- a clear definition uh, of what 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 a computer has to look at and look for, then I think it can be done. So maybe that's just me trying to. Maybe we need Elon Musk to come in and uh, show us how it's done, or a Facebook or an Amazon, you know, some joint mm. kind of thing to show us what. Where are the companies that are using AI the best? This is who we need for Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Donald Trump's campaign advisors, you know, like that. that co- bring bring on the best of the best, shall we? And especially those who are unemployed at the moment. Let's give them some work in NRL in a COVID mm. environment, you know. Um, all right. So that was good. So let's see what, yeah, I think the upshot is let's see what happens in future. Um, all right. Let's move on to tackle number five. This is the Jeff Tuvey Special Investigation GSI Manly. Here we go. So, Tish, there has been an investigation line that was crossed this week. It involves Craig Bellamy. What is this all about? Yeah, well, speaking of awkward television. um, (laughs) So, look, um, NRL 360 journalist Paul Kent uh, last week, uh, he took a bit of a brutal shot at Craig Bellamy um, and and Melbourne's, you know, perceived history of illegal tackles. I question the word perceived, by the way, in this. But anyway, <laughs> um, but look, um, basically, Bellamy, you know, he found himself um, at the crosshairs of Paul Kent, who was, uh, you know, having a bit of a rant when it came to, um, you know, the the Felice Kifusivi, uh tackle that we spoke about last week on the show, um, you know, and then uh, Kent's uh, basically, uh, you know, they, they, they put the question to Craig Bellamy um uh, who basically labelled uh, that it was, uh, you know, he didn't see anything wrong with the tackle um, mm. and, you know, he doesn't understand what all the big fuss is about, um, you know, and I'm like, well, Craig, the guy is uh, what, you know, concussed, uh, serious brain injury. The brain doesn't heal like other organs uh, in the body. Um, but look, straight after they show that footage where, you know, basically Bellamy was non, you know, nonchalant in his, in his sort of, um, you know, any sort of thing, Paul Kent then just said, look, um, you know, all right, let me just say this. And then he just went, he went to task, grapple tackle, chicken wing, rolling pin, hip drop, crusher, crocodile rolls, cannonballs, ankle twists. Um, these are all outlaw tackles. Um, and the only constant is that since... You know, 2005, Melbourne have bought this on, uh, bought all these tackles on, and they've all been later, you know, uh, later banned in the game. So I think the less advice that we take from Craig Bellamy about player welfare, the better. And uh, obviously, saying that on, uh, you know, live on national television or, or cable television, um, you know, uh, obviously Craig Bellamy is quite upset about that. He lodged a, an official complaint to the NRL about it and there's even talks that he you know because of the the media attacking the storm that he could force him into early retirement 
which is kind of a bit crazy. But I think I don't always agree with what Paul Kent says and what a lot of generals say a lot of times. And, you know, but, you know, there wasn't, I, I did notice in that particular game, and I've kind of noticed it since the start of the game. And, it's, you know, probably because of me, a lot of team, a lot of, Journalists have been talking about the Sydney Roosters, about how good they are when it comes to concussion protocol, sending out players. But honestly, I don't actually see the same the same with the Melbourne Storm. Um, I have noticed there are players that are wobbly, they go out, they come back in. And I don't want to accuse them of of sort of rotting the system or anything like that, but I do see a different attitude uh, when it comes from Melbourne, when it comes to concussion protocol and so forth. And the fact is... I think Paul Kent's actually right <laughs> that they actually have been a primary reason um, that a lot of these tackles and injuries are occurring because they're the ones that have you know invented all, a lot of this stuff or have been at the forefront of the invention of this stuff. So I, th- I think I think he did have a point that you know we're asking Craig Bellamy about his opinion on um, you know player welfare, but but the reality is um, you know the institution that Craig Bellamy works for has kind of invented all the problems that we have with player welfare in, in 2021. Um, well, probably not all. That's probably unfair to say. But a lot of the major issues that we have um, sort of came out of Melbourne. So I think maybe the way he said it maybe was a bit too harsh. But I, but I think I think it should be up for debate whether or not um, Craig Bellamy and the Melbourne Storm and all the success they've had, whether, whether their defensive tactics has been a plus for rugby league or whether it's been a minus. I think... You know, I'm kind of I'm I'm unsure where it needs to be, which is why I think Jeff Tuvey needs to get his detective work out and uh, and do a and do a special investigation. Um, your thoughts there, yeah. Doctor T? Look, totally agree there, Tish. I think uh, you know this is uh, this is this calls for Jeff Tuvey's special investigation unit, GSI Miami slash Manly, uh, to get into this and really uncover the truth. But look. We can help help Jeff Tuvey here because really yeah. the what Paul Kent said was kind of, you know, I don't think anyone could actually disagree with it. Once you look at the stats, once you look at the mounting evidence against Melbourne, uh, you know, this has been one of the reasons why, why I've been quite anti-Melbourne Storm for quite some time because I think it's what what they bring into the game. You know, we, there's the positives and negatives for everything, but... You know, I guess the positives are, yeah, you've got like a very tightly run ship, a clinical sort of team, good, always produces good quality, has produced for a long time under the Bellamy regime. But but there's also the dark side. And the dark side, which is, you know, really it's just the other side of the same coin, is uh, is that in pushing the boundaries, in being the best of the best for so long, or one of the best of the best, um, they also push the boundaries in in other facets of the game. And when it comes to defending and the wrestling and everything that goes along with that, you know, they have really introduced quite a few things which have been, you know, have led the governing body to constantly change, uh, you know, change rules for to protect players. It's almost always in favour of protecting players and in doing so, it's almost always against what the Melbourne Storm have introduced. So, you know, let's not forget the biggest piece of evidence was the fact that in 2008, I believe, um, you know, Cameron Smith was rubbed out of a grand final because of a chicken wing tackle uh, I believe that was the case. I, I could be wrong, but that's how I remember it. And and you know his team was flogged thirty eight nil or whatever it was against Manly. So so really, you know, if you want to look at evidence of, of the fact that you know this and this is you know this was like what twelve years ago, almost thirteen years ago, that this occurred. And uh, you know, so this is not a new thing. And the NRL, I think, uh, would do well to. To kind of um, you know stop the Melbourne Melbourne Storm love fest and and look at the reality of what uh, people like Paul Kent are saying and and a lot of the everyday fans have been saying for quite some time and it's not just Melbourne hate uh, you know this is coming from someone myself who was actually very supportive of of the Melbourne experiment at the beginning and and I think while Bellamy has brought some good things to the game I think. 
this will tarnish his legacy unless it gets resolved. And I think having the Melbourne Storm being a bit um, sensitive about comments from a journalist is not the right way to go about it. How about you show us on the field that you can uh, push the boundaries without uh, bending the rules and uh, and that kind of thing. So or bending players or bending players' arms. You know that's another yeah. thing. You know so so really the evidence is there. Paul Kent, like what you said, I agree. Um, I don't often agree with him. In fact, I very rarely agree with him uh, on matters like this. But in this case, he is absolutely spot on. The evidence is all there to see. And, mm. uh, you know, the everyday fan, I think, would mostly agree with that as well. Yeah. So, and, and I believe Jeff Tuvey is already on the case. Um, he's uh, he's actually just did, attended a Bikram yoga class. And uh, funnily enough, the routines were the chicken wing, the grapple tackle, the rolling pin, the hip drop, a couple of cockroach rolls and a cannonball. So, you know, if uh, if tackling and yoga, uh, that's... Uh, it's 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 what it's what uh, it's what it's come down to these days in 2021. So well done, Tubes. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you could get to the bottom of this. That's right. And the ex- for the expert level Bikram yoga uh, um, people, it's the uh, the daily cherry cherry Evans uh, flip flop backflip. <laughs> flip flop backflip. Flip flop backflip. I couldn't even say that. <laughs> That's how tough it is. You can't even say it. Um, all right, let's move on to the final tackle. Mercifully, the tips. Here we go. Round four tips, uh, and just a recap of um, last week. I got six out of eight correct, and you got three out of eight. Unfortunately, <laughs> it takes my tally to eighteen and yours to thirteen. So um, let's see how if I can keep that up. So uh, quick fire. So Manly uh, is this right? Manly versus Penrith. I think. <laughs> I think this is a no-brainer. I think the Panthers are going to win this one. Yeah, I think the Panthers um, should win unless something dramatic happens. Well, an Easter miracle could happen. Speaking of Easter miracles. Speaking of Easter miracles, the Bulldogs will need one against the South City Rabbitohs, mm. who I think are going to smash them. So Round like- three, uh, I think, uh, featured some really exciting close games. Round four does not. Um, so I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs there. Storm versus Broncos. <laughs> Assuming the Broncos can make it there. With yeah, the that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, look, I'm tipping the Storm. Where It doesn't matter where they play it. I'm tipping the Storm. Sharks v Cowboys. Going for the Sharks. The the Valentine Holmes, uh, you know, cup. I'm going to go for the Sharks. Titans v Raiders. And Tish, I actually think this will be probably the match of the round. Um, I'm going to tip Titans in an upset. Okay, look, I'm going to tip the Raiders because this game is now a home game for the Raiders, I feel. So I think the Raiders will are too good at home for the Titans, unfortunately. Knights versus Dragons. Uh, well, I think the Dragons might pull this one off. Look, I'm going to tip the Knights. Um, I feel like they're going to bounce back from last week's horror. Roosters v Warriors. So is this the uh, what's Roger? This? Roger Tuivasa Shek Cup, <laughs> is it? Yeah, the Roosters. for mine on this one. I think the Warriors will uh, will have a good game of it, but I think the Roosters will. They're going to need to adjust to a Kiri um, absence, and they'll. I think they'll do it. Oh, yeah, you just said something very important, right? I, th- yeah, look, <laughs> no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to stick with the Sydney Roosters as well. Like, uh, I just think that, uh, I think they're, uh, they're, they're a machine really. So, so I think Drew Hutchinson and the other fellow can do well, Sam Walker. And look, the Easter Monday clash, I think this will possibly be, if not the game of the round, it'll be the most entertaining game of the round because these are two teams that are known for, uh, pushing the ball around and, and having a good go of it. Eels versus Tigers, the traditional, uh, you know, well, as traditional as you can get with only a couple of, like a decade or so of uh, of tradition. But look, I'm going for the Eels uh, to beat the Tigers, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers pull off a seemingly uh, a seeming upset here. Tish, are you going to go, are you going to finally back your Tigers? <laughs> 
Well, they normally get flogged for this game, uh, but there's no Mitchell Moses. Um, so I'm going to tip the Tigers. Wow. What have I done? I'm sorry to Tigers fans out there and Michael Maguire, but <laughs> yeah, look, uh, yeah, I feel so bad that I didn't tip them last week. So I'm going to go for the Tigers this one. All right. Well, that's it. That's the tips, and that's the uh, that's the show for today and for this week. It's I told you it was going to be a big one. There's a lot to cover. Um, <laughs> it's been a big, big week for rugby league on and off the field. And look, as usual, uh, you can check us out on our website arrowrepublic.com. You can download our um, podcast there. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, and email us at arrowrepublic at gmail.com if you have any suggestions. And uh, teach over to you to wrap this one up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everyone out there for listening. But look, that's all the time that we have for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We are we are your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.